Hello and welcome to the Kick in the Creatives podcast, hosted by myself, Sandra Busby, and my fellow creative, Tara Roskell, offering you interviews, inspiration, motivation, and a gentle prod in the right direction. And for lots more information, challenges, and other useful tools to help you get creating, you can go to www.kickinthecreatives.com. And of course, this is where you can also find today's show notes. Enjoy the show. Welcome to episode two of Kicking the Creatives. Just wanted to let you know about two new challenges that we have coming up in February. There's February Fables, a challenge for the writers to create a children's story. And February Faces, a challenge for artists to draw or create a face every day. Thank you to everyone who's taken part in Art Journal January and has joined the Kick in the Creators Facebook group. Now, as you may or may not know, my co-host Sandra Busby is away at the moment. Given the choice between recording a podcast with me or going for two weeks in the Caribbean, she chose the latter. Now, I am a little hurt, but fortunately I found a great guest instead, and that's Megan Jeffrey. Megan is a great artist, illustrator and crafter who loves art journaling. Megan's got some great tips for anyone who wants to start doing their own art journal. Hope you enjoy the show. Hi, Megan. Thanks for joining me on the podcast. Hi, Tara. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to having a conversation with you about this stuff. So perhaps you can tell me a little bit about you, where you're based, a bit about your background and what you do. Okay. Well, um, I'm an illustrator and a maker and I'm a teaching artist. That's usually how I represent myself on (laughs) my resume and other places. And I live in Connecticut. So how did you first start learning to draw and paint? Um, well, like so many of the people that you've interviewed, it started in childhood. Um, I was always drawing and making things. Uh, came from a family where there was always something being made in the house. Um, banners and Christmas cards and um, always many projects going on. Um, both of my parents were raised during the depression and for my mom, especially that feeling of using things up before throwing them out was pretty much crucial. So, um, used a lot of things that were already in existence, shirt cardboards and oatmeal containers and that sort of thing. So I can see now in my life where that sort of being frugal and, um, economical, has really um, both inspired me <laughs> and um, just have been a, a good way of doing things. Um, so, yeah, I always had a notebook going. always had a sketchbook going when I was a kid. And sometimes I would write in the sketchbook and sometimes I would draw in the notebook. Always that sort of cross-pollination. Um, always making things. I had an entire town on my dresser top called Beetlegrass, and I would collect little characters and make furniture for them and apartment houses out of strawberry pints and uh, would make some of the characters. So it was a kind of uh, very much a multicultural um, (laughs) community of things made by me and things not made by me. Um, Yeah. So the, the notebooks, um, the, the notebooks weren't really journals per se. I mean, sometimes I would, log in what had happened that day, but it was just sort of a mixture of personal writings and little stories that I had written 
or I would copy pages from encyclopedias in there, like, here's how a cat's eyes dilate, um, that sort of thing. And like, here's the attendance chart for my stuffed toys, because I played school, <laughs> I played school that day. Um, and I mean, looking back at these things now, which I still have, it, it makes sense that I would become an educational illustrator because of that sort of a attendance to uh, facts and, I guess, playing playing classroom or playing teacher. Um, I was also thinking about, uh, and, and just going over your questions for today, about uh, the, the pads. One time we were um, on the road because we did a lot of camping, and I'll, I'll get back to that in a second because I was another big influencer. Um, we stopped into this restroom, and on the wall there was this machine that said pads. And so I said to my mother, mom, can I have one? And she said, why, why do you want one? I was like, I want to draw. And she told, <laughs> she told me, those are pads for big girls. And which, which set up a whole like other line of questioning in my mind, like how is paper going to be different for big girls? Than it is for me, and all I want to do is draw. Well, of course, you know, they were sanitary pads, and, you know, not, not for me yet. <laughs> so I just, I just love that story because it just kind of speaks to, I mean, I'm still that way. I'm like, you know, you see notebooks in the store, and it's like, ooh, like, I need that. It's like, no, you, you have enough of those. Um, use the ones you have first. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, like, the camping thing, um, the beginning part of my childhood was, the 1970s, and there was a big craft movement, big camping movement here in the United States. I don't know, was I don't know if that was what was going on in the UK at that time. Um, uh, so we would camp at uh, a craft school, and we would do a variety of crafts. We would do woodworking and batik and weaving and uh, leather work that sort of thing. And just really, really love that. That just kind of, um, kind of bred into your bones sort of thing. So that is something that I've carried with me that I really love doing. And even when I'm making illustrations, unless the deadline is really tight, which, you know, for a lot of it, it is, but my preference is if I can make a, an illustration process longer by, well, first I have to make monoprints. And then I have to create patterns for the pieces and cut them up and do that. Then, then, I'm, then I'm happier. Like if I can imbue some sort of craft, crafting experience into the, into the making of the image, I'm, I'm a very happy person. Straight from school, did you start illustrating? In second grade is when I discovered you could be an illustrator as a job. I don't know why it clicked then because I'd seen illustrations in books, but for whatever reason, I was like, oh, this is actually a job that you can do. So, yeah, second grade, I decided I was going to be an illustrator and then um, just kind of had that in the back of my mind all through school. Um, Then in senior year of high school, we get to make these decisions or try different things out at the job markets that they would have at school. So I had some ideas like, well, maybe I want to be a teacher or maybe I want to be an occupational therapist where I could still use art. But in the end, I was like, no, I I really need to see this dream that I've had through. So I had applied to three different art colleges. I got into all three, but I um, ended up going to Rhode Island School of Design in Providence, Rhode Island, 
Um, and I went there because the other two were in cities and I would have to have gotten an apartment and that would have just been too much for me. Like I needed a more college experience where it was dorms and, and just sort of decided for you. Like, I don't think I could have been that independent that quickly out of high school. It would have been like getting the bends or whiplash or something like that. Um, yeah, so I went to I went to Rhode Island School of Design and got my Bachelor of Fine Arts in Illustration, and with the, with the idea of becoming an educational illustrator. So, what exactly is an educational illustrator? Are you teaching other people to illustrate? No, no. Um, educational illustration, like you are adding to educational curriculum, so workbooks and textbooks, and you're you're augmenting the, the learning aspect of curriculum in the schools or where have you um, with illustrations. Just another way of illuminating the text, illuminating the exercise. Uh, yeah. So, so how did you first get started with art journaling? Because you're very big into that. Well, you seem like you're very big into that now anyway. I am, yeah. Um, so, like I was saying earlier about the combining the two I was several years ago now maybe three years ago now I was on YouTube and I don't know how I happened upon this um, woman's site Liz Drake is her name um, and saw that she was doing this thing called Fobonichi and she was showing her flip throughs and I was just like oh this is fantastic it's not like clean and pristine and scrapbook perfect it's just like using the stuff that she had and that mine been recording her daily life. And it was just like really funky and really cool. And I just love it. I'm like, I have to do this. And I was hankering to express myself in that way. And that was the impetus for getting started with that. So that just seemed to, to really fill, fill a need. So I, I think I went out the same day and got a composition book, a gridded composition book, and just started setting up the pages like I had seen other people because you know as you as you, as you know we're probably experienced numerous times once you start like researching something that you're passionate about it's like and now I must research many things about this <laughs> yeah. you get lost don't you <laughs> a little bit and, and YouTube doesn't really necessarily help if you have that if you flip the switch where uh, one video leads smoothly to the next one that's in the same area of obsession for me so I just started doing that and that whole thing that I was talking about with being the children of people raised during the depression like it suits me fine so it's like I don't necessarily need to buy pristine and new things from the store it's like all these junk that I have I have plenty of junk and ephemera that I've saved and I don't need to feel like oh you know I can't afford the pretty things that other people have or you know sometimes it's not even a matter of I can't afford it sometimes it's just a matter of I want to be able to have my pages really reflect me and not the designer from this line of whatever um, journaling cards or what have you like even if I use journal cards from a company like I like to inflict myself onto the cards where I'll change the words or add a drawing or just imbue them with my personality so that when I look back on the pages I don't see someone else reflected back at me I see my response to the thing because our journals should really reflect who we are in this moment I mean it's nice if you're really like I really love the 
the phrase live, laugh, love. I mean, if you're really into that in the moment, by all means, put that on your page because that, that is a record of, of what your feelings were. But for me, like, um, that doesn't really reflect me. So I like my pages to, to show me whether that's happy, sad, grumpy, whatever. Um, yeah. So what is your process for creating a page? I mean, do you wait? I assume you have to wait till the end of the day to do yours because you put so much in it. Um, it really depends. Um, well, as far as do you want to know about like how I prep the book or? Yeah, all of it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. So if so, a gridded composition book, do you, what do you call composition books? Do you mean like squared paper? They've got squared paper in it. Do you mean? It's like, well, yeah, it's like they're like really cheap. It's like a lot of times the kids in, in the younger grades will use them to, to fill them up with their homework or they're just really cheap. They have that kind of mottled looking black and white cover. Um, oh, like an exercise then, book, we'd call it, I think. Yeah. Okay, there we go. An exercise <laughs> book, yeah. <laughs> I knew that there was probably like a different name for it. So um, sometimes I cut them down in order to make them more like a traveler's notebook size or I cut them down to fit into um, like a dory. And that What's might be a dory? A, weird term. a dory is short. It's a shortened form of the word Midori. And Midori is a Japanese company and they create um, covers for books that get inserted. Um, they, the book the Midoris are leather, and there's a system of um, elastics, and you can slide notebooks into these, and when you're done with the notebooks, you can slide them back out. And then a lot of people will make their own dories, and since they're not me dories, they will call them by their own name, like, say your name is Joe, your dory would be like a Joe dory. Um, people... <laughs> character um i make them out of book covers so i call them book doors i think other people do too people make them out of fabric um there's there's really no limit to what you could probably make a dory from so i will cut these composition books or exercise books is that what you call them exercise books books down to to fit into what i'm currently carrying around because i also have my planner in there which fits into this I will cover the front and back with paper, whether it's scrapbook paper. Um, and I will make it look like me or the season or whatever. I, I will often use a drawing of my own, uh, run it through either the, um, um, the plastic machine thingy. What's that called? A laminator? Yeah, a laminator. <laughs> laminator or... Once everything is together, I'll use clear packing tape just so that it can withstand the wear and tear of however long I'm using that journal. Um, Insides, glue stick two pages together, and that's to um, reduce bleed through. If you're using a Sharpie or wetter media, I will washi tape the edges of the pages, and that is a more tactile experience. Some people will, for an entire month, use the same washi tape on the edges of their pages. And that's just the edge, not the top and bottom. 
Because then when they look at it, they can see at a glance by the color of the washi tape, oh, this is January, this is February. Um, but I don't do that because um, I just like to have a greater variety in the color and pattern that my eyes are looking at. So once you start doing that, I know in some of your podcasts people have talked about or you've talked about that maybe feeling precious about a journal that's too expensive or, I mean, we probably all experience that. that yeah, first, that's me, yeah. Um, that, first, that first sketch that you make is just like, oh my gosh, like it's just, it's just too much. It's like I have to do something good right out of the, out of the gate, otherwise the rest of the, the notebook or sketchbook will be ruined. And I've experienced that before. It's like I've even just turned the first page, left it white, and got onto the second page where it felt it was this buffer of, of page where I feel so much pressure to perform. <laughs> so I find that once you start working with your book where you've covered the front and the back and you've started playing with the pages and getting them set up, like you've already had an experience with this book you've already started to make it yours so I find that doing that and maybe leaving the first couple of pages blank where you can write down at the beginning like what I'm currently into and listing things like tv shows games whatever like whatever um, areas you want to cover and getting that down and starting to write those things out as a kind of preface to the rest of your book because those things will change. I mean, even from month to month, those things will change for yourself. Like what your favorite song is this month. I'm really into this, but next month, ugh, can't stand it. Heard it too much. Moving on. Um, getting those things down. I find reduce that need to perform or, or feeling like it's not coming out good. Um, yeah. So that's, that's my philosophy behind getting those things set up. Do you, do you write in these every day? Because online it looks like you create one every single day. I try to, yeah. I, I mean, there are times that I take, I take time off or what I'm working on, I don't post even at all. I don't blur it at all because I'm, this is just for me. Like, I, and I don't want to spend the time blurring or, or there's a lot of writing. Like, if I have a day where... I start writing, I'm like, there's no room for any drawings or any really visual pictures of any sort. I don't know if that's really something that anyone else would be interested in or it's personal. I don't post it. I just keep it for me. Um, and that's, that's sort of a, a back and forth sort of thing. Like, what do you want to share what don't you want to share? What is just for you? And I don't even mean like, oh, it's personal because I'm naming names. But even if it's just like mundane or sort of not readable or that sort of thing, I've come to I've come to the conclusion for myself that if I don't want to share something, I don't have to share something. And I and I let myself off the hook. Like if you just want to write today, that is perfectly okay. Like. You don't have to always draw something. It's okay. Like this is this is your journal. Yes, you're choosing to share it with someone or someone, but it's yours. So but that's but that's hard. And like you know, what what do I share publicly? What do I hide under a journaling card? Sometimes that's a bit of an issue because 
if you're working with and for people, um, you don't want to complain about mess them. Up any kind of. <laughs> well, I mean, like not even just from like a gossipy standpoint, but just from a like, um, I don't want to mess up any financial yeah uh, avenue here where I get too too um, into it. So a lot of times initially I'll just like leave an initial and I might fill it in later, um, but definitely blur or just keep things like super anonymous and then I'll get more specific under a journaling card so that I'm not making my future self go, what was this all about? Like I'm still giving myself <laughs> my future self the details, um, but I'm not necessarily like vomiting up all my personal stuff for, for, for people. So do you go back to them a lot and read what you wrote? I do, yeah. I mean, do I do it regularly? Um, this is something that I used to do a lot when I was when I was a kid, like younger and a teenager in college. I would journal every day, like a regular journal, and I would reference those things like all the time. And it seemed like summer was always the time to go back and read through who I was and what was going on. And I will do that. Um, it's fun. It's fun flipping through the pages because they're tactile. There's stuff on them. Um, the edges of the pages feel nice. So there is that draw of how nice it feels and remembering things. I mean, recently I had gone through because there were things that I was writing about every day that I kind of wanted to pull out and put in a separate notebook because I had the idea that I might want to do something with that. Like I might want to do a graphic novel about it. So I just, you know, it's a, not only is it a visual nice thing to have a piece of art every day, but since it is a document of what you're doing, you can, if you've chosen to write these things down, go back, reference them, and 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 use it in some other form of artwork. Which, yay, that's <laughs> that's a good thing. Did you find you get ideas um, for your work as well through through journaling? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, like I will. I will, especially if it's a month, like say October, and you're looking at prompts. A lot of times people will list prompts, whether they're doodle prompts or journaling prompts on Instagram and different groups on Facebook. So for each month they will, and you're, you're doing this too for yeah. your uh, art journal in January where you're listing prompts. So those things can lead to... Um, and, I, and I mentioned Halloween especially because people's prompts were like werewolves and... Um, different characters. So if you're drawing a character, then like for me, like I'll draw a character and sometimes it will um, lead very nicely to a character that I've already made or started to explore. And so I'll start to hook up words with that. Maybe, maybe there's like an idiom that goes along with it. Like for, for your Art Journal January prompts, like if you're doing home, I might start riffing on all of the words that contain the word home, like home fries and home slice. And I'll just start to like write those sorts of things down, which will maybe prompt me to do something else where it's like, oh, fries and slice. Okay, so that we have French fries, we have a pizza slice. You know, I don't know where that would lead, but um, there's just like the association between image and word that starts to get my, my brain going. And you know, I have a bunch of characters I'm already thinking about. Their storylines, it might hook up very nicely with one of the things that I've already started to explore. 
So, yeah, definitely, definitely can help with And other times I'll just, like, jot down, like, things that I need to do about this thing. Okay, let's break it down into steps or even have, like, a, a bullet journal sort of aspect to it where you're just bulleting what you have to do that day or what you did that day so you can see um, without having it to be this long writing. Like, oh, wow, I really got stuff done that day. Wow, okay. It's uh it's a good, it's a good, another way of uh, recording what your life is like. And if you're really busy and you see that long list, you're like, wow, I was really in a season of my life where I was getting things done because I needed to, where I was working towards this goal. It's quite therapeutic, I should imagine as well, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Well, it goes back to, I mean, I know you, you've had conversations about brain dumping and I just listened to one of your podcasts where someone was talking about it being good therapy and like, you know, <laughs> listening along to those and like nodding my head, like, absolutely, <laughs> like, totally. Like, I, I will go into a page and I'll be like mad about something like I didn't, I've been being robbed of sleep by, by a noisy neighbor. And it's like, I go into my, my journal and I'm like, God, I'm writing stuff down. And like, I can feel in my body, my level of frustration and absolute zombie tiredness just dwindle because I'm like, I'm using purple in this area now. (laughs) I'm getting purple down or I'm like, I'm drawing stuff or I'm being rude with my words and it's kind of making me laugh. But like whenever I like make myself laugh, of course, there's a reduction in, in stress or just even writing things down. I'm like, I could probably do a comic about the noise in, in the apartment, like that would actually probably make me look forward to the noise or the conversations <laughs> I hear through the walls because I could start to like in, put that into a comic where, as, as you could imagine, like if you were gonna make a comic about it, wouldn't you be like, oh, I can't wait till they start talking again so I could record it so that I can make a funny comic about it. That would make me look forward to interrupted sleep. Like that would be a switcheroo, right? Yeah, totally reframe. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it is, it is therapeutic so, I recommend it not just writing your feelings down but getting color down and just like scribbling if you want to or I just think you get lost yeah. in it anyway don't you so you're busy too busy creating you start forgetting about it yeah yeah well anytime we get into that zone where time seems to melt away and we're just that happy little three-year-old sitting at the table coloring again or, or making art like we were when we were little kids. Like, that's a good thing. Yeah. So, so what tips would you give to someone who's thinking about starting journaling? I would buy a cheap composition book or, <laughs> or exercise book, <laughs> depending on where you are in the world. Um, and I would either leave it as it is, you know, as far as not cutting it down, or I would cut it down and I'd start decorating it like the the way I described. And then I would just get going and I would maybe hook into a group or I would get some prompts from Instagram where like doodling prompts or drawing prompts or um, journaling prompts, you know, asking you, asking your questions about your likes and dislikes and that sort of thing, that kind of recording. And I would just start to every day put down 
what's happening. I have standard on my pages, um, the day and the date, the weather, high and low of temperature, and what the overall weather is. It's partly cloudy or it's mostly sunny. Uh, I like to put down what the moon is doing um, because I think that was what was standard with what people were recording. I'm like, oh, okay, I can do that too. And at first I was like, why are people recording all of this stuff? I felt like I was back in ninth grade uh, meteorology (laughs) (laughs) Meteorology class where we had to record that kind of stuff. But I found over time it's like, oh, no, I I actually kind of like knowing when the sun is coming up and when the sun is going down. Because if I'm in a a park and the sun goes down, uh, the park closes at at dusk, I, I better know when I need to get my butt out of there. And it's also nice looking up at the sky now and seeing what the moon looks like. And I go, oh, okay, you're a waning crescent right now, aren't you? Because I I know what that looks like. Um, so it's and it's just kind of fun to see, like, whoa. Like when you write about some, like how hot it was that day and you look up here, oh, look, the temperature was this high. Like, yeah, no wonder. No wonder I was writing about this aspect of life. Um, look how high the temperature was. So, yeah, having those things also getting them down when you first have a new page, it sets you up for now, again, you're not feeling so precious about your page because you've already knocked out day and date and times and temperatures and all of that. So your page already has information on it. So now it's easier to record the next little bit and the next little bit. Um, so when you were asking me, do I do everything at the at one time? So sometimes I will do my pages, um, kind of in chunks, you know, it depends on the day. Like maybe in the morning I'll get all of that information that I just described out of the way because I've just looked at my phone and I know what what the temperature and the weather is going to be. So maybe I'll get that out of the way first and just um, leave the onus of it until end of day. Some days I don't get to it until the next day, which has its advantages because you have that little space of time where what happened the day before is sort of crystallized and you can maybe see the themes of the day, which um, are fun to see how things link up in an interesting way. Um, And sometimes like right now I'm a couple of days behind, so I have to, uh, to think a little bit harder. Sometimes I take notes though. So, I'll just jot down a, a conversation or, you know, this thing that I need to remember to, to write down. And I have like a little notebook in my car too. That's usually for my mileage and that sort of thing. But if I'm out on the road, it's like, Oh, I'm behind a car and their license plate is something funny. I better write this down because I, I want to put it in my journal or on my phone, like in the notes section, if I'm on a walk, I want to remember something, just jot down a note. Or take a quick picture, and then I have the picture that I can draw from later. So there's a bunch of ways to, um, while you're out and about, record record things that will be fun and funny in in your journal later on. You've got a lot of other things on your blog. So I, you've got puppets that you created, and there's a series of paintings I saw that you did in 2012 called Girl in a Dress. Mm-hmm. Do you still do all this? these things <laughs> yeah well um <laughs> do I do 
I want to still do everything that I always do and just keep adding to it. But time is, time is cruel in that way. Um, so I'll just, I'll just, I'll talk about the paintings first, I guess. So the paintings were inspired. I, I, I wanted to do a hundred. So I'm probably, I probably done in the thirties. I don't remember how many I've done. I wanted to do a hundred because I was inspired by this book called 100 Paintings by Tim Biscup, B-I-S-K-U-P. He's a, a painter and a, and a toy maker. Um, you look him up, he's, he's got really cool stuff. So he, this book is 100 paintings that he did. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I, I would like to do 100 paintings, and I thought I would really limit myself um, by that theme because I noticed within my sketchbooks that I often draw girls and dresses. So why not take that theme that seems to just crop up when I'm sketching and make a whole series from it? And then the other thing that inspired that series was um, Claudine Hellman. Uh, her last name is spelled H-E-L-L-M-U-T-H. She has a book called Collage Discovery Workshop. Beyond, beyond the unexpected. And in that book, she talks about creating different types of backgrounds for your paintings. So she's got a wide variety of ways you can do that. That will just, even before you start to paint, uh, create interesting backdrops um, to spring from. So a lot of them were well, one of the some of the ones that I really liked were the collage ones, where you're putting down um, collage elements with like chill medium, and you're peeling things off, and then rubbing them underwater, and taking some of the things off, and then you're kind of completing the look by smearing uh, paint on top, letting some of it dry, and then just like kind of taking it off. So you're you have this background that you weren't expecting, and yes, you are creating it, but it's because of the technique involved, it wasn't designed or foretold. Um, so I like really interacting with that sort of background because then it's like, what can I pull out of this? It's like looking at the clouds and trying to find what it is that you need in there. So with these backgrounds, it's like a puzzle. Like, okay, what shapes were created by this process that could possibly be a girl in a dress? And I am all about play and I'm all about making games for myself and engaging that part of me when I'm making because I find that that sense of joy translates really well <laughs> to the viewer. Um, so anytime that I can do that for myself, I'm, I'm very happy. Um, it's work, finger quotes around work, but it's, it's mostly play. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, those two books inspired that series and I would love to get back to it because it was so much fun and I liked coming up with the titles for them too, because typically the title was something that I found to be funny or it was supposed to shed more light on the painting. Like for example, one painting is a really ugly girl. Because of the, <laughs> the background that I have. 
hope she's not based on anyone. <laughs> no, no, no. No, not at all. I'm I'm not that realistic. Um, <laughs> so she was she was unattractive by by most most of the world's standards. Um, but she was she was trying. She had a nice blouse on. She had a big bow in her hair, I think. Um, but I called the painting Pretty Girl because. Um, you know, that's, <laughs> girls girls still like to be called pretty girl. It's like Sandra's titles, isn't it? Have you seen Sandra? Yeah, 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 yeah. Put a little twist on them. So, there was another. There was another one that I called Little Girl, not because she was diminutive, but because her fingers were doing that. You know, indication of like very small between thumb and forefinger. She was doing the little. That's that's just what the background indicates me. So she got called little girl. I don't know, just just things like that, or glower girl, or there's one that's called um, Fairfield County girl because the background was Fairfield County, which is where I'm from. So the full title was "You can take the girl out of Fairfield County, but you can't take the you can take the girl out of Fairfield County, but you can't take the Fairfield County out of the girl." Um, which was kind of a personal uh, revelation because when I moved out of Fairfield County, I really, I really felt my Fairfield Countyness uh, where I moved. <laughs> You're not from Fairfield County. It's probably like what? What are you talking about? What is... <laughs> Fairfield County is a very privileged area. Oh, okay. So when you when you move elsewhere, you 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 find you feel that. You feel that in your bones. So, yeah, that's what I did with that. Um, the puppets, um, again, inspiration. Um, Martha Stewart used to have a magazine called Kids, which was, in my opinion, the best magazine of her roster. Uh, it's no longer in existence. Sad face. Uh, she had, in one issue, showed these finger puppets that they were making from wool roving and using wet felting to make them. And they were just really basic finger forms with maybe a few extra doodads to turn them into characters, a little bit of felt and, you know, googly eyes and that sort of thing to turn it into a cat. So I was like, wow, that's really interesting. Like I really got jazzed about that, that thing and the fact that it was a craft that I hadn't yet explored. And so I, I got right in there and, and got some more roving and started to, to play around with that and because I'm a detail freak I couldn't just leave well enough alone like that was too I mean I love the puppets but they like for my my natural tendency is more 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 like more detail more more stuff like how much more time can I spend with, with this <laughs> with this character but that's just that's just my natural bent like I'll start I may start off simple but um I tend to go to to the dark place. They're amazing what you've done with those because you've got you've got like those it was, you bought little plastic prams and things like that, but then you've completely done them up. Yeah, yeah, I'm not content to leave things as they are. <laughs> um, I don't know what that says about me, but I just I just want the thing. To, if I if I got like yeah, the pram like it's a cheap thing that I got at the party store. It's just like plastic and just doesn't look as cute as it might look and it doesn't fit into the character's world so I will add to it so it will firmly 
fit into that. So I started making guys. I started selling them at craft shows and, and stores. And um, I had done an exhibit for the Providence Children's Museum with their existing collection of antique marionettes. They have all these marionettes and they have this case devoted to a display and they change it out and they have artists come in and look through their 100 plus collection of puppets and come up with a theme and put something in the box that relates to the theme and the puppets that they've chosen. So I had done that for them and at the same time had showed them like these are the puppets that I do. So they'd asked me to do their ramp box display. And the ramp boxes are simply boxes that are ensconced in the wall for their ramp. They have a ramp that goes from the bottom of the, the bottom floor to the top floor, like a wheelchair access sort of thing. So it kind of whips around like in a hairpin turn. So there's walls um, in between these ramps. And so inside these walls, <laughs> this is very complicated, because inside these walls are boxes that are plexiglass on both sides. And maybe the boxes are around the size of a shoebox. So they ask, they will ask artists who do small things to put their work in these boxes. So they wanted me to put my finger puppets in there. And I'm not content to just plop a puppet in a box. So I came up with um, whole storylines and brought in my own miniatures that I've made and collected and created sides and floors for each of these boxes so that it'd be like a complete um, presentation, each box. So I, I kept imagining the little kids coming through, walking up the ramp and putting their noses and faces and hands on the box and really looking like that's what I would have wanted. If I was a little kid, like I'd want to look into this box and see a whole world. I wouldn't want to just see a puppet sitting in there. Um, so that was a really great experience. I, I loved that. I loved that thinking through and planning sort of 17 scenes. So I had to create some new puppets. I loved thinking through like, what is each scene going to be? Puppets that relate to one another. Okay. I want them to be in boxes that are next to each other. Like for example, I had like a fairy tale chunk. So I had the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker. They each had their own scene. Uh, the Queen of Hearts was in that section. She had her own scene. I had what I call Little Paris, where I had Parisian puppets. So I have a, a French bulldog. I had a mime. They were in one scene together, and the Eiffel Tower was there. And I had ants with berets who were coming up from underground, like in a like an ant farm, and they were coming up through the hole in the ground where they were going to snag the mimes and the bulldogs' baguette that was lying on the ground because they were having a picnic. Yeah, it was like really intense. But yeah. it's like, <laughs> <laughs> wow. But this is like I get like I get so happy when I think about this. I'm like, ooh, you know what would be fun? Ooh, and then like one thing leads to the next. See, see my earlier comments. Re, I'm a detail freak and I like to play, so um, it all kind of goes together. You're also now you're playing with these um sketchbooks, these sketchbook challenges you're doing. 
as well. Mm. I know you've just started doing them, but it's quite a sort of surreal feel, I thought, going on with those. Yeah, so I just, I will just sit and listen to something in my ears. I find, and I've told people this when they've asked me, like, how do I get out of my head? Like, how do I not think things are precious? Or have, like, that idea of making sketching easier, which I think taps back into what, what you were talking yeah. about the other day. Um, it's like, have a phone conversation with someone who's really engaging that who likes to talk a lot, you know, get caught up. And while you're talking, draw or listen to a podcast or listen to a book on tape where there's a narrative that grabs you and that you are someplace else while you're drawing. So you're not, if you have a tendency to saying to yourself, this is awful. This is awful. This is awful. Like just, it, it will take you someplace else. And you'll just draw. And um, that's what I do. So I will make, like, these sketch, sketches that I've just been starting lately, I, I find that if I am looking at something in the room and I start to draw that, like, I don't want to just draw what this room looks like because <laughs> I would probably cover that fairly quickly. Um, but using that as a starting point and then taking off from there so you might see the same lamp stand in a couple of those drawings that I had done but then it, my natural tendency is to, to go someplace else like add a design or add a creature or something like that so it's a they're kind of a combination of what's real and what's surreal what's what's in my head um, all the while I'm listening to something else and filling my head with something else I'm filling my head and I'm emptying my head <laughs> at the same time. With different stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it's, it's cathartic. It's, it's relaxing. Yeah. Um, just plop. I'm sitting on the couch with three mugs full of, of, uh, of colored pencils. That's, that's a good way to spend some time. So are there any books, people, or courses that have inspired you creatively? I know you've mentioned a few as we've gone along. Yeah, yeah, I mentioned a couple. So, yeah, I pulled some down from my shelves here so I could talk about them. So um, two of the ones that I love, and I especially love them, not just for my own personal sake, but for um, teaching. Um, it, they've, they've come into the, the way that I've taught and, like, their exercises. I've used them in my, in my teaching. So the first one is Ivan Brunetti's book called Cartooning, Philosophy, and Practice. And then the other one is called Syllabus, Notes from an Accidental Professor, and that's by Linda Berry. And she, she references um, Brunetti's book. She uses his book in this book, Syllabus. So these two work really well together. Um, and I was so happy to see that she just really loves his book, too. And she's kind of goes from there she she uses his exercises and she she adds to so i i really recommend these two books they're it's, it's not like oh here's how to draw a clown's head kind of cartooning it's when he says philosophy and practice he really means it and ivan brunetti um for anyone who doesn't know he does a lot of work for the new yorker magazine a lot of covers um it's just recently come out with his uh, autobiography, which I've yet to read. That's on my, on my list of things to do. Um, another book that I used a lot in the last 
I guess, a couple of years, uh, Year of the Doodle by Dawn DeVry Sokol. And what I really like about this is that she's preparing the pages for you. Um, and their pages are dated and for each page. So this kind of goes back to that thing that I was saying about Claudine Helmuth's um, way of preparing things underneath. Like there's already something there that you can interact with and play with. And the fact that she's giving you a prompt that just blows that. I don't even know what I should start with. What I, I need an idea. Because when you have all ideas open to you, sometimes it's really hard to get started. But anytime you start to make the possibility, you limit the possibility, suddenly you have a million ideas. So she's done this um, with her background that you can interact with and the prompts. Um, and since it's somebody else making the backgrounds, it's, it's like playing with someone else. If you create your own backgrounds, it's still, they're still being made by you and your brain. So this is like having a, com a conversation with someone else. Um, so anytime that you can do something like that, it's good. I'm, she's got a couple other books. I haven't yet seen them personally, um, but I really recommend that one. Where can people find out about you? Um, so you can uh, find me on Instagram. I'm at Megan.Jeffrey, and that's M-E-G-A-N dot J-E-F-F-E-R-Y. And you've also got your blog. Are you still writing that and updating? Um, I haven't updated for a while. I put it into the deep freeze and I just recently took it out again. And when <laughs> I took it back out, I was like, where did all my side columns go? And they're like, oh, yeah, those got lost. But uh, if you have any questions. <laughs> so it doesn't look the way that I want it to look right now. But I took it back out of the deep freeze because I'm like, I've been having these hankerings for writing articles about things art related. So, so can I tell everybody the link for that? Yeah, yeah. So that, so my uh, my blog's name is Beetlegrass, B E E T L E G R A S S, and that was the name of the town that I had on my dresser growing up. So, my blog is about different characters and like what I'm doing, like that sort of thing. I don't get into what my characters are doing on the blog, but it's that feeling of a place to create and a place to have different stories going on. Well, brilliant. Well, thank you ever so much for taking the time to uh, talk to me. Oh, yeah. Thanks for listening. I found talking to Megan really inspiring and got some ideas for my own art journal. I hope you enjoyed it too. Don't forget to check out our upcoming challenges, February Fables and February Faces. You can find those on our website, kickingthecreatives.com or join the Kicking the Creatives Facebook group. I hope you'll join us in a couple of weeks' time for our next episode, which is all about kicking your inner critic's butt. See you soon. <laughs>